0: All right. Hello and welcome everyone to another chat and learn here with Power to Fly. My name is Mariella Marie and as always, super excited to roll into this next hour with you all. Um, I had just a a couple minutes to chat with our our guest speaker behind the scenes and I know he's going to drop a lot of knowledge today. So um, I I just want to start off with some housekeeping rules to get everyone comfortable and confident in this next hour so that you can voice your questions or your reflections. Um, I just want to start off by saying, you know, to acknowledge that the world is on fire these days everything's broken um, you could be doing anything else but you're deciding to spend the hour with us so you know please maximize this time um, would love for you to participate turn your cameras on if you feel called to do so um, if you haven't showered it doesn't matter this is the judgment-free zone if you you know if your house is a mess cats are welcome to, to walk across your screen uh, I just want to let you know that we would love to have you turn your cameras on uh, if you feel called to do so um, if not don't worry I uh, would love for you to keep the chat box on fire so you can you know write any questions or reflect uh, that you're having throughout this call. If you hear your question, come on the screen um, or come out uh, in the conversation, feel free to hop off mute or write in the chat box. Uh, If you do hop off mute, you will be featured in our live recording as this is being recorded. So um, I know we live in a world where everyone is multitasking all the time, but I invite you to be present with us. Um, And then you can rewatch this video later on Power to Fly and you can take notes vigorously there. Um, If anyone has any sensitive information and you wanna be kept anonymous, you can find me in the chat box under Mariella Marie. can write to me privately and I will flag your reflection or your question to our guest speaker and keep you anonymous. Um, The last thing I'll say is we'd love for you to follow us on socials uh, and stay um, connected with our YouTube channel so you can keep up with all the great things we've got in store. And before I introduce our guest speaker, I want to just briefly say hello and welcome back to any of y'all who have been on previous chats. Uh, and if you are new to these chats, uh, my name is Mariela Marie, and I have the honor of, you know, picking beautiful minds throughout the week here on Power to Fly. So here's another opportunity uh, to do that. I'm super excited to get to know our guest here today, Matthew. Um, and just so our guest speaker knows, I love speaking about emotional intelligence, pretty much obsessed with it. So I'll probably ask you a couple of questions that have to do with emotional intelligence. Uh, and I would love for you all to support the, the project that I'm working on, the Positive Force Team. Uh, you can go to the positive uh, you can go to the org and you can sign up for our newsletter that I've been like heads down working on. So I hope you like it. Um, or otherwise, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. All right. So without further ado, I'm going to pass the mic to our guest speaker, Matthew, let us know a little bit about yourself, how you came to learn about Power to Fly, and what you're excited to share with us today.
1: Uh, thank you, Mariella, for that amazing introduction and for having me here and making me feel so comfortable um like i was saying behind the scenes before we started sometimes when i do these things it's like these talks i have this no you got to do this you got to do that you know and it's like what what huh what go and it's like hi Yeah, but you have made me feel extremely comfortable and extremely welcome this morning. And that means the world to me. So thank you so very much. I learned about Power to Fly through um, folks. I've been working with Trina Bolden-Fields. She's uh, a life coach and also has become a good friend of mine. And as I brought to her this idea, um, this justice, equity, diversity, inclusion, liberation idea and how, I shared my lived experience with her. She was like, hey, let's work together. And so she's been trying to find opportunities like these for me to be able to get out there. And so I recently found out about Power to Fly probably about two months ago. And I've done another conversation, um, a courageous conversation with Thumbtack through Power to Fly. And so you guys have, have just been a wonderful support. And some of the other videos that I've watched of other folks that have been on, to be able to find a nugget of gold like this that is like in this world and putting out information and allowing people to really begin to look at their authentic selves just really felt like a a perfect match. And so that's part of the reason why I'm here today. Um, As you can see what's there on the screen, um, I've lived in various communities. Uh, I spent some time living in Europe. I spent some time all over the Midwest on the West Coast. I've Um, done a lot of traveling through some of the performance art that I used to do and other performing opportunities that I had. Um, I spent about 15 years in secondary um, education teaching in a public high school in Southern Oregon. Um, Right out of my MAT master's in teaching program I helped build the school. Um, It had an OSSI grant, Oregon Small Schools Initiative grant. So that was transforming itself um, from one large comprehensive high school into four smaller high schools. And I thought this is a great opportunity to really bring some new ways of thinking out and into the world, especially in what I like to call the indoctrination of education, um, which is, is what the US, the United States education system to me is all about. Um, and it needs a lot, of, a lot of help. It needs to be dismantled and rebuilt. And so we'll get into that possibly in a little bit. Um, and I've taken all these skills that I've, I've gained throughout my life and put them together. Um, and now I, I invite people in and ask them to craft their own personal equity lens. So
0: yes, I'm throwing digital confetti. I love this. Um, I just, I'm honestly, I'm honored to have this conversation because I feel like we share a lot of um, really. I, I don't. I wouldn't call it provocative, but I guess it's provocative because it's uncommon. Mm. But these perspectives of like, yeah, the education system is uh, comes from a, a you know people who are were colonizing cultures. And so just to be aware of that and then to think for yourself, right? So um, I, for example, one of my idols is Josephine Baker and I don't really remember ever learning anything in school about Josephine Baker. Like I think, (laughs) I don't know how she was dropped into my lab just like, you know, but uh, being influenced by her. I mean, I currently live in Argentina. I'm from California, but I look up to people like Josephine Baker, James Baldwin, these folks who could travel into the world and, you know, shine a light or like, you know, be curious and ask uh, how, you know, we can um, just honor our, our, our connectedness and our true connectedness. Right. The, I just, we're going to crack open a lot of things. So I'm just, I'm so impressed uh, just from uh, being able to have, I shouldn't say impressed, but like to get through the public education system in the States, as a, you know, an educator, and then you know, having the the platform and having the energy to share that this isn't okay, you know, for example, and then to look at what's going on, and you know, with with our technological advances, and you yes. know, suicide rates are up, depression's up. You can't get you know folks to think for themselves. So anyway, Matthew. It's an honor. Can you just go over some quick, uh, you know, touching points that we're going to talk about in this next hour, and then we will dive into the questions folks have submitted offline.
1: Yeah, and you're already, I, I'm already like, well, let's talk about that. <laughs> I want let's go a little deeper into that. Um, so. Some of the talking points that I, w- when I was asked, it's like, I want people to be able to walk away and know what an equity lens is, or at least continue to be curious about it and, and how I help guide them to crafting their own personal one. Um, and an understanding that you too can be your biggest, brightest self. And so I, there's a third one there as well. And I say fullest, biggest, brightest and fullest, because I feel that it isn't these levels. It's not a level of enlightenment, the universe itself and we're all made of stardust, um, doesn't have a top or a bottom or a serious dead center. And, but what it's doing and what we know that it's doing is that it's expanding and that it's going out. And so I feel that we as, as humanity aren't expanding anymore. We've been confined to this white-bodied supremacy culture idea, this whiteness constructs idea of what humanity should be. And it doesn't want us to be fulfilled. So it's doing a whole bunch to put us on this catch-22 so that we don't expand out and become our biggest, fullest, and brightest. And then I want people to learn how to build a strong connection with yourself first and then others because that's where it starts. It has to start with you. It has to start with yourself. And I'm not necessarily... I know that there's a lot of folks out there that are are called to, and their purpose is to write self-help books or give people um, an opportunity, give them some skill sets to be able to use to see into some of these ideas. Um, And I wouldn't say that I'm I'm a self-help person. Um, I'm someone who is helping you craft a tool, the equity lens, so that you yourself can use that tool. And I'm not going to tell you what your equity lens should be. I'm gonna guide you to crafting your own. And so um, to give you a little bit right off the bat, an equity lens is kind of your own personal mission statement, your own personal vision statement, and it's constantly changing. It's a working document. It doesn't, mine, I'm since I started this process really digging in, um, with Trina in the last year, mine has changed nine times. As I've worked with different organizations and different individuals and open groups and helping them craft their personal equity lens, I keep hearing from other people. I keep growing, I keep learning. I keep having these new experiences. I keep being able to share of myself while others are sharing of themselves. And that is constantly shifting my equity lens in the way in which I see and view the world. And I think that is really important to humanity becoming its biggest and fullest and brightest.
0: Beautifully said. Yes, uh, a thousand percent agree. And I love that you speak of, you know, our existence essentially uh, as this as this dynamic organism. You know, I feel like especially in the workplace these days, uh, and then we can talk about why, and, and then not be surprised that it was constructed this way. But you know, the the productivity, this this limitlessness that is like, okay, uh, why aren't we thinking in cycles? If we, everything around us is in cycles. You know, we mm. have, we, we can, we clearly are, you know, I love that you use this word full to fill yourself uh, and then to start with yourself and then to end with, you know, social awareness, um, just to bring it a little to emotional intelligence, uh, the first pillar uh, as we know it today, because of course, hopefully these things uh, continue to be researched and changed because historically speaking, only white men have been uh, researching about, uh, I shouldn't say only, but majority. So it's fr- coming from that lens, which I think that we can all, this is why I want to speak about it as much as I can. So we can like, okay, let's figure out what this is together and let's try to implement this into the work that we do so that we can, you know, have self-awareness and be uh, empathic and then have social awareness and, you know, empathy and motivation and all these things. So yes, I think like, uh, you know, you, you, it's really beautiful to hear you explain what an equity lens is. And I know I'm going to stop sharing our screen right now because I want to get to these questions. I know one of the questions, was exactly that. What exactly is an equity lens? So do you want to dive in a little more uh, just to kind of round out that question?
1: Most definitely. Um, so I use my hands a lot. I know ASL. It's my second language. And so I, I continue that. Even though I'm not using ASL right now, my hands will move a lot. So just let to let people know. And the way that I explain things is this over here is white-bodied supremacy, hierarchical, patriarchal, corrupt capitalism, right? And so this idea, this is the lens that we've been taught to look through. This is what we've been indoctrinated into throughout the entire world. We consistently and constantly, either we're trying to avoid it, so we're orbiting around it kind of thing, or every now and then it gives us you know, a little leeway, and but we're still tethered to it, right? It still comes from this idea of like, well, that's not what I wanna be. So I'm still trying, but it's like the base of your thought had to come from the fact of separating yourself from this. And so it's like, it still has us a little bit there. And then sometimes we don't even understand because of that indoctrination, because of the half truths and lies that we've been told throughout <laughs> the education system of the US that we don't even, we don't even know when we're upholding this. And we, we don't have a way of looking at this. So what the equity lens is, is this is a new way of looking. This is a new way of seeing how I personally traverse the world, how I am crafting a world for the next generations, because I don't do this for myself. I don't do this so that at the end of my time here, I'm going to be filled with all these these comforts and so on and so forth. I'm lifting heavy now and asking other people to lift now so that we're not all lifting heavy now and so that we're leaving tools so that the next generations don't have to lift as heavy. So that hopefully seven generations from now, we truly are just a history lesson to them. We're not something that they're still trying to detangle themselves from and pull themselves apart from this idea of it. So I'll my, my ninth iteration right now of my equity lens, I just got done working um, with Portland Center Stage the last three days, uh, doing my, my equity lens workshop with them. And so, I actually added some more words already so as you can tell it's a notebook scratches adding words kind old of thing school.
0: can we right? call it old school right. at this point
1: <laughs> see why not <laughs> and it says i am crafting a world of love and belonging by standing up for equity and standing fully in my truth as a builder active listener." servant of humanity, supporter of youth by modeling accountability, integrity, respect, responsibility, unconditional belonging, dignity, and unconditional love so that we all might help humanity be its biggest, fullest, and brightest. So through my work, that's, that's the lens now that I'm looking through everything. Throughout my day, I get an email from someone This old way of thinking creeps up. It wants to like respond in a particular way to that email. I may take a second and actually read through my equity lens again, or now I'm at a place where it's like, all right, this stuff is bubbling up. I see you coming. No, thank you. I don't wanna go there. I'm not, that's not a gift that I want anymore. So I'm starting to come from this lens. And that means that I need to use my lens every day. It's a call to action as well. But now I've got this situation, this email, I start looking through this lens, the words start coming to me and then I can respond instead of responding from this place. And it's not magic. It doesn't happen overnight. We've all got to work at it. It's work with a capital W, you know? And so with an equity lens, it's, it's a tool. It's a tool to be used. It's not a tool to sit on the, the shelf. And that's, um, for me, I don't do trainings. You know, trainings will give us some language and it'll give us an understanding, it'll give us something so that we can be across from each other at the table and be like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. But my lived experience doesn't, I got to that definition in a different way, or my lived experience is pulling me out of it, your equity lens is crafted partially from your lived experience. We have to go introspection. We have to look at a deeper connection through self-reflection. We have to look at our past because our past is our education. Our future is our inspiration and our present moment, this needs to be our creation. We need to be creating right now as we are learning. So it's a balance of mind, body, and spirit.
0: Yes. And how do we... Share that so that effective change can happen. I have so many questions that I want to just—I want to crack open a lot of things you said. I wish we had—I wish we had like five hours to talk, and you know, then have a lunch break and come back. Um, maybe we can set that up <laughs> to talk online. Um, <laughs> but uh, one thing that you pointed out that's interesting is that you know you're you're inviting folks to recognize what triggers them, and. To be responsive of that trigger and to put a, you know, to understand that it, it is a practice to not just respond to that trigger based on our heritage, based on our culture, based on our ancestry. I see someone wrote in the chat. Andrea wrote, "We are, we are ancestors' wildest dreams." You know, um, I love this this uh, visual of, um, you know, how how to see this linear idea that we've been taught: future, present, past. It's it sounds when you say that it we we put it into a line. But really it's not, it's, it is like, you know, it has, it dances, it moves, you have dreams, you have like deja vu, what is that, you know? Um, So I feel like we really have a a big opportunity, like you said, to experiment essentially and to create. Um, I think that when we can uh, shine, not be afraid of going within, right, to, to have that balance of, you know, but the trouble, I think I would love to actually just, I was going to ask this question later, but what do you think about social media these days? Because I just watched a hearing um, where they had the CEOs of Facebook, Twitter, and Google uh, with some folks in Congress in the States, uh, and they were being questioned about, you know, how they aren't really being um, responsible in in the technology that they're creating and producing. In fact, I think I learned on a, a previous chat this week that Google recently fired someone for bringing up, essentially the importance of, um, of, of, of uh, that, that AI can be discriminatory. Um,
1: you know, <laughs> and, and so
0: having uh, that be even uh, something that is happening now, how do we put into practice what you're saying is important for us to consider?
1: So how much of your thinking is your thinking? If I've been indoctrinated into a particular way of thinking even if I'm pushing back against it and saying that that isn't the way, that, that isn't anything that I even want to have in my life or what I, I believe in or anything like that, it does not mean that the people around me and that I'm interacting with on a daily basis are doing a similar thing that you are, even though we may find that we are trying to pull people towards us to be able to be, you know, supported by, you know, by those who we have a, a sense of belonging, unconditional belonging with. Right? I can bring all of me to the table, I can bring my authentic self to the table and I'll be held accountable at, by the folks that are in this room and vice versa, you know, for the integrity of me towards me and who I am. At the same time though, I have to uproot some of these thinking and these ideas that I have. So as we've been creating this technology and these things, what mindset do you think we, it's been created from? knowingly or unknowingly, it has this within it. It's interwoven within it. Does that automatically make the tool inherently bad? I don't think so, personally. I think that we have this, there's an imbalance right now with the idea of, um, and when I say balance, I'm not talking about two things because I don't necessarily subscribe to the ideology of a binary. I think the binary and how deeply rooted this is in that binary, is an easy way to leverage the divide and conquer. It just keeps us continually divided and spinning in that loop kind of thing and not really actually getting to a deeper thought. So having said that, when we've created these technologies and we've created social media and and we see these advancements, these technological advancements, this has kept us as far as humanity goes from not advancing. So it has it has gone and expanded out in this really rapid rate that some of us can't comprehend, and the younger generations um, can I swear a little bit?
0: Of course, yeah, yeah, because <laughs>
1: yeah. the younger generations are badass, right? They're like they're looking at all of this. They they've been brought up in it, and it's the true um, separation. Because before it's like, oh, those younger kids and their music and what they're wearing and those crazy hairstyles and blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, okay, now you have to grow up. Now you have to be an adult. And so get rid of all those things and be just like the generation before you and handle everything in the exact same way as the generation before you did. And this newer generation already is, is partway here. Because they've they've seen aspects of the world and had dialogues with people all over the place and seen that they're not alone in the way that they're thinking and feeling and how things are going. Just just in the L it used, when I was going to college, it was the L G B community right? And now it's the LGBTQIA2+, and there's other things added to it that I'm sure I'm missing the P for pansexual, et cetera, et cetera. There are definitions to over 120 or 112 um, gender identities that you can find if you Google it kind of thing. These these youngins are like, um, I'm limited by this idea, and I'm not going to do that anymore. And so... um, hopefully I'll see you on the other side, (laughs) peace, you know? And it's like, all right, well, let's go, you know? But there's this, and yet there's still this, no, you can't come come back here and we got to squish you back into this box so that we can understand you. Otherwise- and so then we start seeing ageism and we, you know, coming into it, we see all these other functi- functionalities that this has created to keep us from becoming our biggest, fullest and brightest. And so it's like, okay, we've got this technology. It's, 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 it's doing these wondrous things, but we, as far as humanness goes, we are so, in my judgment, we are so far behind from, from what these advancements are that we we really honestly need to start looking at this younger generation and being like, okay, what's up with y'all? How'd you all how are you seeing because cognitively their brain development has had this in its its development. Who's studying that? Where Where's that study at? You I think know? that
0: there. I think that the the production uh, uh, in in the technological sphere is happening so fast that I mean, when you start to study it's ten things have happened after you decide to study it, and then then no one is studying that, you know. So wow, I, I knew that we were going to philosophize on this hour. Let me bring us back to some questions <laughs> that that folks uh, have, have um, submitted offline. But you know, keeping you you're already basically answering a lot of things that folks are are saying here. So. Um, Let's see. Let's move on to this question here. How do you find your place of belonging and how do we identify it? And actually I'm going to I'm going to tie a second question too. So how do I discover my potential and what do I know how do I know what my bigger and brighter self or selves looks like?
1: trust has been lost as a, as a black man, as a same gender loving black man, as a 51 year old same gender loving black man in the United States. I have seen um, in those 51 years and I've educated myself along the lines of how trust has been broken and how me trusting situations and myself within that situation, how I've internalized that and ingested that when it comes to my own personal self-worth. And so when I acknowledged that and started seeing that and my brain got to a point to say, wow, I took on my father, I took on his work, his work, right? And that's personal work. That's like, how much of my thinking is my thinking? Why am I responding the way that I am? Why do I have these fits of of depression or anger or frustration? And now now I'm touching a little bit on um, Resma Minikam's work, my grandmother's hands and epigenetics and the fact that we may store within ourselves cellularly 14 generations back of trauma that we have taken on because our brain fight, flight, or freeze, or fawn, wants to make sure that we stay safe. So it's adapting biologically ourselves to make sure that we are staying safe, right? So once that trust has been broken, once we realize these things and we see these ideas, then it's it's all about looking in that mirror. It's not looking out here to try to find these ideas in somebody else. What is my shadow? What are the things that I have in my life that is keeping me from being my biggest and fullest and brightest? And because I'm doing this personal work and because I've been fortunate enough to be able to afford to have a therapist and the various therapists that I've had, the interactions with people um, throughout my life, the willingness to be open to look at this, because that's the big one. This keeps inciting fear in us and keeps us from looking at those things once again, showing us that it is keeping us from from humanity growing and being its biggest and fullest and brightest. And I don't mean to lump everything into only one thing. Right now though, this is a catalyst that I can, in my history, when I look back at it, I can see it very clearly how this has influenced that shadow. And how it's influenced me not being worthy of finding the folks that I belong with, of finding my purpose, of living in my dignity, which is different than respect. We are all born with dignity as a human being. And that is what we need to realize and remember on a cellular level and in our everyday process. So when we have these moments of fear, and that's why, you know, um, folks like Brene Brown and Resmaa McKinnon and other somatic healers. um, People are looking at it from a somatic perspective. Um, We, when they're asking us to step into our fear, that's where it's really at. When they're asking us to be vulnerable, that's where it's really at because this keeps us from doing that. This tells us, no, you deserve, you are entitled to be comfortable. So all of that other stuff, that makes you really uncomfortable, doesn't it? Oh yeah, it does. Oh yeah. So just please, you know, just sit right down here you know, and not to, not to poo-poo anybody who, who drinks wine or whatever. I'm a, I'm a foodie. So it's like, just sit down here, get that box of Girl Scout cookies, eat all of them, feel really icky, but you feel better emotionally, right? And so now let's keep going in this direction. And there's so many of those different things. But those are the things that it's like I realized for myself. And when I looked at them, I'm like, is this really serving me? Is this really helping me become my biggest and fullest and brightest for my definition of those three words? And like I said, I'm trying to find not a balance of two things. I'm looking at mind, body and spirit, right? And so if I'm looking at mind, body and spirit and I wanna have a balance of those and I start taking some of these layers off and I start looking through my authentic vision, my truth vision, then I start seeing, oh, Oh, and I start feeling the vibrations of that's somebody I want to get to know. That's somebody I want to hang out with. Nope, that's not somebody I want to hang out with. And then from my mother, I got, you know, you have to love everybody, but you don't have to like them. So make sure that you are coming to other people with love, but it doesn't mean I have to like you. You, I don't have to invite you over and have dinner at my house. I don't need to do that but I also don't have to wish ill will upon you or try to degrade you by calling you names or or saying, oh, you're all messed up in this and that and so on and so forth. And that's why I look now and the divides of uh, uh, red and blue, Democrat, and Republican, progressive and conservative or whatever, it's like, it's all this, all of it is. And so how do I, pull myself out of all of that and be like, you know what? I ain't going to subscribe to any of this. (laughs) And so I'm going to invite you, but I'm going to build something new and I'm going to build that unconditional belonging. And so, um, a roundabout way to answer it, it takes a lot of introspection and look and takes work to look at why am I responding the way that I am to this situation? How am I, how, why am i still in this job that i know is actually hurting my soul and not feeding my soul and what will feed my soul and not until we start asking and stepping into that fear and really start looking for those things instead of being bamboozled into this idea that oh no just be comfortable don't are you know working that job aren't you still just aren't you making money? Don't you have food on the table? Don't you have these things? And more and more people are not having those things. And more and more people are seeing that this does not serve them. And we can see that in a lot of the stuff that's going on. So it's only gonna serve us to look at ourselves and become our biggest and fullest and brightest and allow our authentic selves to come forward.
0: I love them when you you speak about dignity because And I love that you said that it's different from respect. I think that you made that correlation. Uh, I I really feel like you know we've we have been persuaded to like define. For example, I always love on these chats asking people how do they define success because you know it means so many different things but then again you have depending on where you're from in the world depending on what neighbor you grew up in depending on you know how you were raised everyone has a different version of success but you know a lot of it is is rooted in survival and this comfort sometimes so I love that now and now uh, now and again uh, when I'm asking these questions it's kind of the beauty of seeing how different everyone's version of success is, and that it's totally okay, and let's try to support each other in that. I think that helps with with you know the wiggle room to to grow and to come out of out of you know this um, dichotomy and more into a holistic vision. Uh, mm-hmm. I just I'd love to ask our live callers now. Uh, how do you define success? Uh, just curious to hear what you all think on the call and then I'll raise uh, some of these um, reflections to our guest speaker here. So take your time. I'm going to move on to an- another question in the meantime, but feel free to write uh, that in the chat box, um, you know, how how you define success. And then Matthew, I lo- so you're speaking a lot about the personal work, right? And of course, um, we know that that takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of, uh, you know, this self-worth that we have to dig back up and, you know, sp- Splash on our face again, so we remember and we can feel. You can feel how it feels to be ourselves. Um, how do we move that into a workspace or working with you know groups of people? So this question reads: How do I bring my authentic self to work?
1: Why shouldn't you bring your authentic self to work? I think it needs to go that route. I think that that question. Is, is acknowledging, um, when I hear it, it's acknowledging that there's something that I don't feel comfortable or safe in the environment in which I'm working. And so I don't have a sense of belonging there. I can't bring all aspects of me to work. It's not allowed. And and so that authenticity of who I am, it's like, no, that has to stay separate from work. and. It, it shouldn't stay step separate from anywhere that we go and having said that i know that there are situations that are are unhealthy and unsafe if if we do bring our authentic self there so i'm not i'm not telling anybody you are your trust your instincts your you are your best gauge kind of thing so i'm not asking anybody to step into something that is dangerous for them in any way shape or form and yet isn't that the world that we want and that's why I'm crafting a world of love and belonging because I, I want people to be able to be fully realized. I wanna be fully realized. I still have so much work that I'm, I'm doing. I have conversations like this and it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, okay, so yes, let's work on this and jot down that little note and look at that and make sure that I, I unpack that a bit for myself. And I think that that curiosity about self is important in all of this work. I think the same way that we feed our bellies to fuel our body, we need to feed our brains as well. This needs to, this wants to be learning and growing all the time. And sometimes we think that that's all academia. And it's like, no, that's another bamboozle, (laughs) right? It's like everything around us, this world around us is our teacher. We're all teacher learner knower at some aspect and just being able and open enough to sit in a coffee shop or a bar or at a, 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 a train stop or wherever and to be able to act upon that eye contact you made with someone and be like, hey, hi, how are you? It's a good day. It's a great day, isn't it? Where are you headed? What's up with you? And be able to have that conversation is learning that's learning. The human connection is learning and allowing ourselves to act upon that spark that happens within us to be able to feel free enough and liberated enough to be able to start those conversations. And so if if, if you're not allowed to even bring your authentic self to where you spend a large part of your time to be able to have your basic needs met, there's something not there's something that just doesn't, it doesn't feel good. And, and I want people to feel good in their bodies. Right. I hope I answered Absolutely.
0: that. Absolutely. You, you did. And you spoke about something that I, I'd love to pick your mind a little bit about your, 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 your overall, um, Actually, I would ask for your remedies about this, not about what you think. I mean, how do we rectify this? Uh, the fact that we're currently isolated globally, or we are encouraged encouraged to isolate ourselves. And even before the isolation, you know, I would go on the subway, and and everyone would be on their phones, and I'd be like, and what if we made eye contact now? Like, who knows what would happen? But probably not going to happen. Um, And what are we losing in that case? Um, So I would just love for you to bring it to like a current state right now, we're going through this pandemic, one of the pandemics, you know, that has been, you know, agreed upon, let's say in the whole world, because there are so there, you know, there's food poverty, There are so many pandemics happening in the world. And I love that you're, you're challenging us to come back to ourselves, uh, you know, to make this manifesto that we can make sure that we're checking ourselves, because we have this, you know, I'm, I'm doing film clubs and creative writing workshops to help people decolonize the mind. What does that mean? We play, we don't judge, <laughs> you know, and we go to what we're being taught. We go to Hollywood and we say, now oh, what did they want me to think about that? You know what? I left Los Angeles because <laughs> I was born in Los Angeles. So I love LA. But then when I started to try to find work as an actor, um, I was told that I, because I studied theater and film and I went to Los Angeles and you know, I, I feel, I, I love that you uh, are, you know, a supportive performing arts as well. So that's another topic that I would love for you to <laughs> crack open whatever you want. But you know, the moment I didn't get cast, uh, even though the, the directors, everyone said I did a great job, um, they, they didn't cast me and I found out why, because I didn't look like I could be the, the man that I had, that they had already cast. I didn't look like I could be his partner. And then I didn't look like I could be the kid's mom. And I was like, you're dictating what people think a family is on, you know, you're commercializing yes. that. Yes. And yes. I was like, oh, okay, I I either got to fight a lot or I got to fight another or build something, you know and fight in that way. So I love that you're also talking about coming out of this and building something. Um, so rounding my question, what do you think about just the current state of, of I- isolation and how, you know technology as we know it today is pulling us into not having those you know, sparks of engagement, I would say. Um, And how can we remedy that?
1: So I've been in situations, especially in what I call Zoomlandia here. And when people check in, they say somebody's name. So Andrea, and so they direct and look at them and look in, in their screen. So they're directing their energy there and there's a connection that's there. So I invite people to do that as well, even though right now I'm looking at my little green dot of my camera straight in front of me. It's it's one of the things that I think helps people. And then another thing is that what I've noticed is when people walk around like this, it gives me even, even more opportunity to look in the eyes, exactly, and it's like, I, and I've been noticing a lot more beautiful eyes out there, and I'm like, and I'm actually finding more people to connect with, kind of thing. The cell phones and being on the cell phones, I think, is, is a construct of this again, right? And it tells us not to interact in those ways. Um, it's gotten us to, to do those kinds of things. So, you know, um, who's to say that you can't be on mass transit? or somewhere where there's other folks around and be like, all right, everybody, I want you to take 10 seconds and just look around and look each other in the eyes and just look, that's all I want, just look at each other. And you drop that little that little love bomb here and there <laughs> as you go going through your day, traveling from point A to point B to point C to point D and other people start picking up on that stuff, right? And other people are starting to be like, oh, wait, let me, it's not just a meme that tells me I'm supposed to be this and that and uplifting me and, and everything. I'm actually taking it out into the world and I'm doing it while I'm interacting with other human beings. And I think that that's a, a big remedy as well. Also, going back to my question that I ask myself constantly and throughout the day is how much of your thinking is your thinking? And when I'm responding to particular ideas or particular things, and why not set up a time you know, from this time to this time? I'm not gonna be on any device. And getting out into nature, and some of us who live in larger cities and stuff, that's not necessarily an easy thing. And it's like, I gotta travel, it's gonna cost me money to get on transportation or whatever, et cetera, et cetera. So is there some place or some way that you can, you can, you can feel the air or be out in, into nature? Because it's what we're from. We're of the planet. We're not above the planet. We are of the planet, we are beings of this planet. We need to stay connected to that planet. And that's why this um, did the genocide that it did of the indigenous peoples and the places that they were at. It realized, wait, the medicine that you have, the religion, what they were saying was religion but it's just a way of being um, is like, going against a lot of what we need to leverage you as human beings to do our bidding to amass wealth for us. And that's all that it goes back to. And that's why, that's why I keep pointing at this. And I keep pointing to this because it started all of that. It began all of that and it may have been that there were some imperialistic things over here or that these tribes were doing this or that or whatever. But I think that there, there were folks before that, I know, I feel it in me that there were folks before that, that were like, had already worked through this idea. And we're like, you know what, that doesn't serve us. And so let's, let's make sure that we are of the planet and that we're doing these particular things, et cetera, et cetera. And then- I think once we start uprooting some of those things and seeing those things, the remedies start coming up. What works for me may not work for somebody else. And so it's important for us to just keep trying and trying all these different things. And also know once I land on something, that might be good for right now, but I'm a different person since the start of this conversation. And so that might not work now anymore. It was good and I'm grateful and I'll say thank you for it and I'll keep going. And that's why the past is my education. It's nowhere to get stuck. It's where I'm supposed to learn. And going back to something that you are saying before because it just popped into my head. I am, we are the seventh generation of a group seven generations ago. So that's how it keeps, it's not just the linear path. It's so much more than that. And I'm looking to the seventh generation, right? And so at some point, I've been all of those things. I've been the past, present, and the future. And to make sure that I am taking that in and allowing that to be part of this balance of mind, body, and spirit. And not just this limit of good and bad, right and wrong, left and right, black and white right? Or we, we thought we were cool and it's like, well, what about the gray in between? And it's like, but wait, if I have these two points and I got the little gray in between and everything, but I'm the third point, I can put my point wherever I want to put my point. <laughs> my point doesn't even have to be anywhere near this concept. It's a cute place to start, you know, but it's very limiting, extremely limiting. So let's go Y'all, let's go, let's go. There's so much more out there to being our biggest and fullest and brightest. And so,
0: absolutely,
1: yeah, that I hope that that gives some folks some remedies of some things to try. Um, and that's the thing, keep trying and try various things. You know, we read all this stuff, um, try to take a bath, be in water, allow water to heal you because it is, <laughs> because it. we are it, it is us. We are, so it's like, there's so much more just drinking more water in the course of a day helps a lot of people become a lot more clear about just who they are in that aspect. So it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be uh, something that could monetarily bankrupt you and take a lot of money out of your pocket or whatever kind of thing to be able to have remedies to help you look in the mirror and start asking yourself, well, who really are you, you know? And in the 60s, it was it became this cliched thing of like going and finding yourself and everybody poo-pooed it and so on and so forth. It's true. This has kept us from ourselves. And so what do you need to do to find you? And it doesn't necessarily have to be a peyote ceremony or an ayahuasca ceremony or, or anything like that to find you especially if that's not necessarily the indigenous ways of your bloodline. And so your bloodline might need something else. And then that jumps us back to the dark ages, the thousand years of trauma that was put on white bodied folks in Western Europe. And if we're talking 14 generations of trauma biologically, and so then those white people enslaved because of what Gomez de Zurara wrote for the Portuguese king about the continent of Africa and its peoples and where the construct of race began. Um, They then inflicted upon them that trauma that was inside them, Paulo Freire, Pedagogy of the Oppressed when the revolution happens, sometimes the people who were oppressed become worse than the people who were oppressing them because they've internalized all this oppression for so many generations and so many years that they have to get it out. And the only way they can get it out is sometimes they're just as bad. So how do I deal with my own personal internalized racial oppressions and looking at those so that I'm not spewing that out on somebody else and trying to, to get rid of it out of my body in that way. Once again, red and blue, Democrat and Republican and how I hear some people, it's like, you know what? If you can't talk about the other group, the other ring that you're doing without only using negative epithets, then you are not seeing their humanity and you're dehumanizing them the same way that you say they're dehumanizing you. And so what's the difference really
0: yes polarization is um it's radical and it it can you know i love this this metaphor of you know don't essentially don't burn don't don't hurt yourself don't put yourself on fire because you haven't been able to and i should say we we are working through this together you know it's a collective thing as well so just because i am working through my understanding of okay how, um, you know, and just also speaking about, you know, technology, how, you know, I can go to my mom and before this even, before this happened, I didn't know how to respond to people when they would ask me, where are you from? But where are you really from? But where are you really from? It's like, well, you, you tell me where I'm from. <laughs> but now with technology, you know, you, we, can, we can do, take swabs and get DNA and understand, you know, a different trajectory of, of where we come from. And then not being reactive with that. Of course, things can get us upset. Of course, of course. And, and, but, and we need to face that. We need to come to ourselves and say, how do I feel about this? How do I, how do I turn my pain into passion? Um, And so there, (laughs) I want to, I want to talk about so many things, but we've got about 10 minutes left. So um, I just want to bring this back to um, to the workplace, just because I feel like, you know, especially now um, and especially since you've reminded us of our shared history and and just like the exploitation of things because somebody at Ghana, you know was from Africa and opened the gates and let everybody out, you know not to say that a war should happen but it's not just on the white folks that, you know from Portugal and I just want to shout out um, I I will write his name in the chat box in a minute but I just got a a, a piece of um, a mail that that spoke about Portugal And just, you know, how they were able to navigate the waters and essentially open up the transatlantic slave trade. And they don't have like anything in Portugal to like in a public space to recognize that and memorialize that and be open with that. It's kind of just like, well, I'm going to walk away and nobody's asking. And so there's an African artist that is doing a beautiful installation now in Lisbon. That is this beautiful installation that is representing the transatlantic slave trade in Portugal's. You know, uh, spark of fire that 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 prompted everything. Now, so um, what's interesting is is you know the workplace is functioning in that same you know machine, that comfort m- machine. I want to exploit so that I'm good, and you know by whatever means, there's low to no empathy. Um, let's say I work for one of those companies. How can I challenge these companies to be more responsible? Uh, And, or should I leave and build something else?
1: Great question. All the, D, all the above. So what is happening right now is um, the almighty dollar is, is singing its tune. And what I'm finding is there's a lot of organizations that are coming to me, and there's a lot of, you know, they're looking at, at people who do ED and I work, et cetera, et cetera, because they know they saw last summer. They know that this generation that's coming into the workforce now is the most diverse generation ever to enter the workforce and they know that a large portion of that generation was out there in the protest for Black Lives Matter, be it if they're doing anything now afterwards or, or not kind of thing, they know they were there, and they know that they're going to be called to task by this new generation that comes in. Remember what I was saying before about the younger generation being badass, especially with this technology. So a lot of corporations are going, oh shit, what do we do? And so is the work that they're doing authentic? I can't tell you unless I was in the room with them and having a conversation with them and got to look in their eyes, right? So I don't necessarily know. So how do I inspire Um, support the youth that are coming in to build something new and to ask for what they want, right? They can still go into these already existing places, but allowing them a voice within that place, not buying into the hierarchical, the patriarchal, saying, actually, we're gonna run meetings in a different way. We're gonna run meetings this way now, or we're gonna construct things in this aspect, or why don't we take this huge conglomerate thing and let's break it into communities, that each of those communities can be under this umbrella, but these these smaller communities are actually supporting one another and have this, a stronger sense of belonging that is there, right? And so that they're, they are coming in and, and, and creating these things. So those of us, who are already in the workplace those of us who possibly have had this thought and these these ideas coming to us how do we how do we now make sure that those things are starting to get more spread out and that they do have a a a genuine aspect an authentic aspect to the rebuild cuz i used to be you know throw a put some gasoline, throw a match, burn it all down. Just burn it all down. It's pissing me off. I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm mad. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. The only thing we all know is this. So we're just going to rebuild it again. And it's going to be the same thing. And that's why I'm adamant about, no, we need to dismantle this. And I need to look at each piece and how it's interconnected and how deeply entrenched it goes into this so that we don't build this again. And is it gonna be perfect right out of the gate? No, it's not. Because what are we comfortable with? And so when the really big new problems happen, what are we gonna do? We're gonna go back to the old way. But what we're hoping is that we're gonna hold each other accountable to stay the course. And also infuse other people to say, you know what, we've started something, but that's not the end. (laughs) We're expanding. So we are given each other these stepping stones to be able to continue to expand to something new. So what stepping stones are you leaving in your workplace for this newer generation that's coming in? How are you helping support them? Because a lot of times it's a lot of talking at and just saying, like I was saying before, do it this way. This is the way you do it. No, we have these hard, lines that are drawn. This is how you climb the ladder here. This is how you um, become successful, right? And And we tell our students that too, to the point where we've taken Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which he got from the Blackfoot nation and isn't a pyramid. It was created and made into a pyramid by the business world. It's actually steps. And we've taken the step of belonging and we've put it after achievement. And so we're telling our students, if you're an A student or a B student, if you're in the, the Blue Jays group and not the Turkey group, then you can belong here. You, all of you are going to college. We have, we're going to make sure that every single student goes to college. Well, what if a student doesn't want to go to college? What if that's not what they're drawn to? We're putting conditions on their belonging. We're putting, con, we're putting achievement before the idea of belonging, right? And so it's like, come on, let's, let's really look at this. And if you want to dive a little bit more into that, um, I've gotten that from this book, Belonging Through a Culture of Dignity um, by Dr. Floyd Cobb and John Cronapple. I've been reading this book and this has sparked a lot of, of what you're hearing right now, especially when it comes to the education system. It's like, wow, there are so many, so many levels to it. And really quickly, I just looked at the clock, I'm sorry.
0: No, don't, do not apologize. We will go until we need to end.
1: (laughs) And really quickly, the idea of whose definition of success are we using? Whose definition of power are we using? And what what am I unconsciously or consciously feeding through my thoughts of myself about power and who who should have power over me, right? I voted you into office because you have similar ideas to me, et cetera, et cetera. I hope that you uphold them. So I am giving you my power. Whereas I'm, I don't have the time or the energy or whatever to get involved in my community politics on any way, shape or form, or mm, I don't want to. So you've just given all this power away in the, in the guise of what the construct of the United States is. And how, that, how does that happen in our schooling? How does that happen in the workplace? How am I feeding those things and how am I upholding those things? Once again, tying it back into, if my authentic self is here, would my authentic self give their power away this way? What is my authentic power? And to me, when our heart is beating, we're creating electricity, we're all power.
0: Yes, you know, mic drop, we are all power, I love that. I I I feel so um, charged, you know, af- and because I sometimes I feel alone, you know. These these uh, views can seem pretty radical, but I feel like actually they're more centered, and actually I've, a lot of other things are pretty radical. So I know that we are at our time, but I just wanna I just wanna wrap up by saying. Um, So one thing that one of the things that got me through last year, which is like the year that is like the 13th floor, you know, in in hotels that don't put the 13th floor, it's like, all right, uh, 2019, 2021, it's like, you know, it's, it happened in such a blur and everyone is like, how do we rebuild? How do we go back to normal? And it's like, no, 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 let's, let's not do that. Let's not go back to normal. Let's do exactly what you're saying, Matthew. Let's, you know, let's take this apart and let's build something else and be, Um, authentic, you know, and not be afraid of what that means and share and share that knowledge. So um, one of the one of the readings that got me through and actually it's not just a reading, it's a guy. So his name is Yuval Noah Harari. And if you've if you've been on previous chats, you know that I speak about him often. Um, So he's a historian from Israel. He is um, he also speaks a lot. So I was watching a lot of his live Q&A's and lectures and reading some of his books uh, and something that he taps on from his perspective, right, that is not from the United States, it's not from Europe, it is from Israel. He is a, um, he, he's a historian, so he has, you know, knowledge of what, what uh, is on the B side of history, right, and that's being taught in school. Um, he is a queer man, and he is telling us information, you know, and I feel like it's like, listen to this guy, this is a completely different, this is that not in the gray area. This is that person that's like, I'm gonna step outside of here and like share what's on my mind. One of the things that he says is that, um, you know, one thing that we're great at as homo sapiens is creating fiction, creating stories, storytelling. And so what you're saying right now is just kind of, you know, putting that, uh, like expanding that uh, request and that, that kind of call to action, as you said, um, to, to think about and to reflect on that, we need new stories we need new stories. And so I love that you're bringing into, you know, someone who I admire, it's, you know, you're you're echoing some of the things that he's saying and I'm able to, you know, be uh, more creative and more responsible in that. So I, I don't feel alone. I hope folks who have been listening, uh, I know we're going a little over time, but I hope that you all have also taken some fruit out of this conversation. Um, Matthew, can you leave us with some food for thought and uh, let us know how we can connect with you when we finish this conversation and support the great work that you're doing.
1: Uh, thank you so much. Um, Food for thought. <laughs> I think the biggest one is is dignity. You know, um, we all we've heard Whitney Houston's version of the song. Um, it's not it's a it's not the original version. The original version. Um, it just went right out of my head. Give me just one second because I've got it marked, of course, in my book. Um, the original version was by George Benson, um, and composed by Michael Masser in 1977. And he wrote it for Muhammad Ali because Muhammad Ali lost his title, lost all of these things. But he said, you can't take away my dignity. You can take all that stuff from me, but you cannot take away my dignity. And it was this huge aha moment for me that it was like, I've been giving the word dignity to the elite i never at 51 i never thought of myself as someone who had dignity like i it just never it never worked its way into my world and my lived experience of like well, no wait dignity isn't for the pomp and circumstance of the elite dignity is what every human being is born with We all have dignity and it's what we should see in each other as we interact with each other. Once again, loving each other, I don't have to like you, but if I love you, I can see your dignity and therefore I'm asking for you to see my dignity back before we have any decisions that all of a sudden is taking people's lives. So I'm asking people to look in the mirror and look and see your dignity and see it in other people and um i'm inviting you all to craft your equity lens um i'll drop in the in the chat my my website and things like that i've got an open group coming up um at the end of this month and registration is open for that now and you can find all that on the website but the main thing above and beyond all of that is yeah see your dignity it's important
0: yeah Thank you, Matthew. For those of uh, the the live callers, or actually the ones who are watching the recording of this video, can you just uh, say your website out loud?
1: Yes, I can. M R R Consulting dot Consulting
0: mrrconsulting.org. Matthew, this has been phenomenal. This, uh, I really mm, am uh, honored to have this conversation with you, uh, and I'm I'm very grateful for our live callers. So you all will get a rewatch email with the link to this recorded chat. Please uh, share it with folks. I feel like you know there's a lot of knowledge in this chat. I see folks uh, uh, singing your praises in the chat box as well, Matthew. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Someone privately uh, wrote me here, thank you. And yes, we need new stories. Yes. So on that note, go right now and start thinking about the new story you're going to share. And I'll see you on the next chat and learn everyone. Thank you, Matthew.
1: Thank you, Mariella. Thank you, everyone.